So there's something I've been afraid to talk about. And it makes me sad that I'm afraid to talk about it. And it's probably because I'm caught up a lot in my own head. And uh, the extreme left and third wave feminism freaks me out. And I learnt today that on the 19th of November, it's International Men's Day. Now, I had no idea that existed. And it made me quite upset that I had just, I had no idea, you know, and I'd worked for a company for three years that celebrated International Women's Day so massively and they made such a big deal out of it. And they should, right? But not a jot for International Men's Day. Nothing. And it just, it, it fueled this fear I have to talk about men and the issues men have uh, with my audience, who is 90% female. And I don't know why I'm scared. I'm scared that people will just roll their eyes. And I'm scared that people don't want to hear men's issues. They don't want to hear it. And then... Uh, a couple, I think it was it was last year, Eurydice Dixon was murdered uh, in Melbourne in a park uh, late at night on her way home from a comedy gig. And it was awful. It was horrible. And uh, a young man turned himself in. And then the police came on the TV and they said, uh, as, a, as a message to all women, uh, you know, you need to be safe, travel in, like, travel in pairs, don't walk through parks late at night, get a cab home if you need to, carry a whistle, have your phone out. All of these things in order to make sure something like this doesn't happen again to to another um, woman. And it was the comments made by the police officer were met with a, a lot of backlash. And it was said that the problem doesn't lie with women, which is true. The problem doesn't lie with women. It lies with teaching men not to rape and murder. And that's where I sort of went, well... Is that the issue? The problem isn't with teaching men not to rape and murder. It's teaching, well, it's of my view that if someone is willing to rape or murder someone, they're mentally unwell. So you, you have a, a whole different ball game where you, you need to help those who are mental essentially the mental health system needs to be fixed but then how do you fix a mental health system that this young 19 year old was never a part of in the first place and so this whole thing stems and this whole issue arose that um, women should be able to walk through a park late at night and feel safe everyone should be able to walk through a park late at night and feel safe no one should be murdering or killing anyone but the, the real thing I had an issue with was from extreme feminist views that all men are born rapists and murderers and that we need to teach them that that's in fact wrong. And what I didn't like about that was at no point in my life has my mother sat me down and told me that raping and murdering someone is wrong. Like there was there was no point that any, me or my brothers, that my mum or dad, they never sat me down and just flat out said, Guys, now you're men, um, so you're going to have a tendency to want to rape and murder. So um, don't do it. It's illegal and you'll go to jail. And it's also very wrong. And how do you think that would make other people feel? Like That, it, that just doesn't happen. And uh, I, I, was, I made a comment 
I made a video about it, actually. And it was in response to... It was sort of in response to the whole issue where it's how how does a woman feel safe? And literally, essentially she doesn't, which is... Now, you look at Jill Ma. Jill Ma was a, a woman who walked down, oh, was it Brunswick Street, Sydney Road, and um, was abducted off Sydney Road and raped and murdered. And now this is in a busy, busy street. Um, and, of course, it was by a man, and then this, this whole wave of thing happens, but it was in actual fact that this man... His name is Adrian. Um, had done this before and was out of like the this. It, it wasn't the issue. wasn't Oh, he's a man. We need to teach men not to do that. No, he was also completely mental and uh, had done this before and had been in prison and it was a problem with the. Uh, what do you the the prison system or the, the the justice system? Like how he was roaming the streets in the first place—that was the problem. And then I just felt—I don't know—I felt weird. I felt weird, and I could understand why a lot of women were scared and angry. And then there was a comment made. I wish I could find it, and it was from a mother of two boys. And she said something that made me uh, almost want to stick up for men. And she was like, look, I, I, this doesn't come down to teaching. I, don't, I shouldn't have to. It's not sitting down and teaching my boys not to rape and murder. It's a lot more than that. God, I wish she said something so succinct and so good. Um, I think she and then. It was something about she was worried about her boys and what would happen with them and and decisions they make and a whole bunch of stuff. And then... uh, Obviously, I'm not a woman, so I I have the perspective of this from a man. I mean, I would hardly call myself a man. (sighs) All eight inches. No, don't make jokes like that in this podcast. And that's, I mean, all this has come about because I was like shocked to find there was an International Men's Day and I'd never heard about it. And I started watching a lot of uh, videos about men's issues and what what goes, like just percentages of things and then there was that whole percentage breakdown again and I thought, well, is it helpful to know how many men are homeless and how many women are homeless? Is it helpful to know the breakdowns of these things I guess in some in some instances yes I think in domestic violence yes because it, you, you you learn what the what's the pattern what's the routine and then in suicide I guess as well 70% of suicides are men but it's not it, but this is the weird thing it's like it's like we're fighting it's like 70% of all domestic violence is women. And then it's the other side. Well, 70% of suicides are men. It's like we're fighting. Who's the most d- depressed gender? 
There shouldn't be a fight. Why is it a fight? Why do we have these stupid, annoying people on either side? It's always the extreme people. The extreme left and the extreme right. And they fuck it up for everyone. And there's this whole thing happening at the moment. Um, on YouTube, uh, a Vox reporter named Carlos oh, got angry at a right-wing commentator and then demanded YouTube take action on this right-wing commentator for saying things that were that offended him. And I, the whole situation is such shit. And it's just made me go, I hate the left. It, the, literally, it's gone, I might come over to the right. Obviously, <laughs> probably not. But the, the pettiness of the whole Carlos and... Oh, it was just so irritating. And then YouTube demonetized the right wing person. They wouldn't shut him down because there's like he didn't. He just has the basically he just has views that this guy disagreed with, and he called the the right wing guy. What Stephen Chowder called? It was Crowder. Oh shit! Sorry, he's really famous. St- Stephen Crowder um, called Carlos M- Moser. I've watched so many videos on this, I can't even remember the bloody names. Called him some names, questioned his reporting, and then this whole thing came from that. And it was just, it's just a difference of opinion. And I've always looked at, like, the, the right-wing people who, who have their views and been like, they're wrong. But then they're like that for me when I have any of my views. You're wrong. So it's sort of like you can't just shut down the other side because... In your mind, you it's not that you believe that they're wrong. In the mind of someone on the left, they know that the right is wrong. Like They are so adamant that the right and the views of the right are wrong. This is so confusing, isn't it? That they're like, shut them down. But it's the same on the right. They believe that the left are wrong. But then when you take a look back, most of the craziness comes from the left. And then I watched, there was another thing. It's just, I think, I also realised that regional Australia has a pretty loud voice and the inner city people, they're two different areas with two different issues. And uh, I watched something that, that talked about the coal mine that's just been approved, the Adani coal mine. And... Uh, this person was a supporter of the coal mine and they listed all the reasons why they supported it. And I went, mm, okay, I see why you support it. Um, at a point, where was it going? <laughs> oh, like, so you had all of, all of like regional Queensland who sort of supported this coal mine and you have all the inner city people not understanding why people support it. It's just like this. It's just two separate areas. You, like the farmers and the inner city kids, right? And and they have different views and different values. And they see Australia and they see the government differently. And I just didn't realise that until I was watching this video. I was like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. And, you know, like the inner city people... I'm all for cleaning up. But the views of the inner city is let's use a keep cup and get rid of plastic straws. Where regional Australia, it's a little bit different than that. 
right? So you have, I was just, I was just fascinating to watch and sort of, it's also this whole thing of being woke. Oh, it's such a vomit term. And there was a, a, a professor in America who was told um, there'd be a day of absence at his university. Now, a day of absence, it was a day of absence for white teachers where they had to leave the school. Basically, because from the 70s onwards, there was there was a day of absence where... Um, I'm not going to do this justice, but there was a day of absence where the black community would all leave uh, and... This wasn't just in the university. This was a, a thing. The black community would all leave and it would show the impact that would have on society, right? And it was because uh, a lot of the black community were doing a shitload of jobs and a shitload of work. And when they all didn't show up for work, it basically said, look at the power we have. Like, look what we do. And so uh, this university adopted a day of absence uh, from the 70s and a, it would go on every year. And then they changed it. There was one year where they were like, okay, now we would like, it wasn't now we would like, it was now all the white uh, teachers will leave for the day. And this one teacher went, no, I'm going to stay because I think like, I'm all for the day of absence and it, like that's great, but then another he he said another race telling him that he needed to leave was a little bit hypocritical, and he didn't want to leave, and so he he rocked up to school, and then there was a heavy protest, and people called him a massive racist, and then um they wouldn't let him have his say on the issue, and they kept shouting him down, and all these students wanted him to be fired, and this was a professor a professor that spent you know fifteen years teaching at this school, and and he sort of stood up. For himself, and he said, "No, I, I, I'm being told to leave because I'm white. I don't, I don't like that. I actually don't think the leave of absence works in this instance, and I just think that's a really hypocritical. We've just sort of, we've flipped it on its head. It's become quite hypocritical, and I don't agree with it. And then all these students wanted him fired, and it, it's sort of." just put me off like everyone just they just this these students just didn't listen they didn't listen to this professor and they just thought he was being a racist because he didn't want to participate in this thing and it was sort of like well i just don't like sometimes i just don't understand people um and then another instance was oh no i'm gonna finish this soon what's the how long have i been going for oh a long time Another instance in this social justice warriors gone bad was, you might remember, I think it was in 2015, 2016, um, God, now I'm sounding American, 2016, 2016, um, a bakery called the police on two uh, black college students and accused them of stealing. And... Um, the two black students denied and they didn't they refused, they were like why are we being kicked out and the owners you know and the and the restaurant worker they were white said um you were stealing please leave and then it became a race thing and it was like oh you're racial profiling us 
And there were these huge protests and the bakery sort of had to lay off a bunch of employees because it just, it was a national, it was a, it was a, what do you call it? It was a global story. I remember seeing it and um, people were filming it and it just, it escalated into this event where the bakery was actually in the right because the two uh, college students admitted that they did in fact steal from the bakery and um, the ramifications for this bakery were all these students didn't really they, they jumped on a bandwagon they, they just they were like oh my god why would you racially profile like this poor restaurant worker who was like I'm not I don't care who you are, you're stealing from me, get out of the store. And then just because the, these these two gentlemen were uh, African-American, they decided to go, oh, we're being racially profiled. Oh, you know, no, you weren't, you were stealing. And um, everyone got behind them and then they shut the bakery down. And this was a bakery that had been open, I think, since um, the late 1800s. So it had been around for like 200 years. No, that's more than 200 years. Yeah, no, it'd be around for like 170 years, some ungodly amount of time. And um, it laid off all its workers. It, it sort of had to close its doors. It had been run by like three or, f- or five generations of the same family. And um, they recently actually won a settlement from the university who held all the protests and wanted it closed and wanted all this stuff happen. And they were awarded, the bakery was awarded $11 million. $11 million they were given because they were actually, they all they were doing was trying to protect their business. And people just jump on, the, like they just jump on the bandwagon. And, and they, it's like when you see the footage of people going irate at somebody and it's labelled as just a racist rant. And you've got to wonder, you have to, you have to ask the question, what happened before that person hit record on their phone? Like, what was, what, what caused the person to lash out? And is this a race thing? Or is this just someone getting mad at another person? Are we making this a race thing? That's the really fascinating part about a lot of things. There's, there's, oh, and it's, you know what? What about that that kid who was wearing the Donald Trump hat, who was standing there whilst um, a man was playing a drum? Remember, this was in America, and this this high school kid was just standing there, and he had a little smirk on his face, and this um, I think this Native American was was drumming and chanting in this sea of protest, and the video that went viral was the fact that this kid stood in front of this man and wouldn't let him pass. And this kid just became this like most hated person and celebrities and all these people were like, this kid is bullshit. This is what Americans are coming to. And they, and even I was like, Oh, this kid is horrible. And I bought into it and I was like, gross. Why would he do that? And then when you hear the full story, ho ho ho, very different. All the kid was doing, the kid had been standing there for hours. He had like he was just standing. He was just standing on some steps, right? And uh he was 
standing there and on the other side was the opposing people to this young kid. You had the Trump supporters on one side, you had the anti-Trumps on the other side. There was a bit of stoushing going on and the most of the stoushing was coming from the anti-Trump people. The Trump people were quite quiet and the anti-Trump people were quite loud. And then this Native American came in the middle of them all fighting just to sing and chant. And then um, what the video that was aired was was him walking up to the to the boy. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> this kid literally did nothing wrong. <sighs> and then people are like, yeah, but he's a Trump supporter, so he deserved it. I was like, oh, that's – you can't say that. There's always, there's always an answer for something. There's always two sides. There is always two sides to every story. And when you watch the media, oh, mate, I'm starting to believe less and less of what I get told. This is a very deep, not funny podcast. I also watched, I watched, I never watch the news. I only watch like the YouTube news, which is like Philip DeFranco. Um, but because I was like, I'm in my parents, I'm still at my parents' place in the Blue Mountains and they don't have Netflix on this television. And so I was watching the normal TV news. And I found out the Aboriginal flag has been copyrighted. Well, maybe, yes. So the Aboriginal flag was designed by an artist. And then it's just gone from there. So it was a painting that he made. He just designed this print back in the 70s. And it just became the Aboriginal flag. And then um, a clothing company bought the rights to print it on clothing. And now they're putting ceased and desist letters out to anyone who's putting the, the Aboriginal flag on any clothing. They're like, nope, we have the rights to it now. And that includes um, charities. I was like, okay, this is bullshit. Um, and then this whole other debate happened. What do you do? And it's like, well, the this woman who was, um, she was on the project and she was talking about this charity. She actually raised a great point and I agreed with her. She was like, well, the government can buy the rights to it. Why don't the government... Talk to the artist, buy the rights to this, um, and then give it back to, just give it, it's now the flag. I was like, yeah, why don't they do that? That's a good point. Mm. Anyway, I think we'll end this podcast there. I wonder how many people I've upset. Probably not many. But I'm, I get, I just get so scared to talk about, I will happily talk about women's issues to the cows come home. And there's a lot of them, but it's funny how I'm scared to talk about my own gender. And I don't know. Well, no, I do know why. No, I think I know why. It's called third wave feminism. Is it called third wave? It's like really extreme feminists. They're so feminist that they hate men. <sighs> I do not like those people. And there's one in particular, and I'm too scared to even say her name. <laughs> I don't even want to hint at what her name is. <laughs> because she will come for me. All right.
I'm gonna go to Buster Time. Oh my god, it's only a quarter to nine. Fuck, it's so late, I'm so tired. I'm go oh, I've gotta go purify my skin with all my anti-aging cream that I bought. I bought it. I bought into it. <laughs>